You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. The Kings are coming off one of the longest road trips they're going to have this season. If you believe that the only things that matter are how you start and how you finish, you might be feeling pretty good right now. This is Caro. How are you tonight, Vardy? I'm good, man. I, I never actually, I've never heard that phrase, how you start and how you finish. Yeah, it's either of, one or the other. How you but... start, yeah, but I, I, I like that approach. It's I got to do something out here. You do, you do. You got you to gotta find a way. Someone's um, got to try to put something tangible together because the Kings are not putting tangible games together right now. No, sir. Yeah, a lot of nonsense out there. A lot, of, a lot of weird stuff since we last recorded. And again, it's been a long stretch for us, unfortunately. But uh, lots happened. A lot has happened in that stretch. Yeah, a lot of stupid games, as we like to call it. Trademark, mm-hmm. copyright. Got to get those t-shirts out soon. But yeah. Yeah. It's it's been uh, <laughs> a season where standings wise and even advanced stats wise, you might look and be like, things are okay, things are going fine, things are in the playoffs, expected goals and all that stuff look good. But if you really watch this team, and if you really live and die with them the way we do, unfortunately, sometimes things are not okay, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, none of it inspires confidence, at least consistently. There's, there's games where you watch them and you go, everything's clicking. I, I, I still think back to that Edmonton game in Edmonton, and I go, look at this team go. Look at them just playing for each other and coming together. And Here's the thing, no. though. There's only been like three of those games. I agree. That's the problem. That's the problem. So when you I, say like sometimes you watch them, it's it's very, very few times <laughs> where you watch them and you're like, we're cooking today. We're shutting them down. Even mm-hmm. it's been like three games and maybe a few periods where they've really like shut down the opponent. And I think it happened one time this trip, maybe two. I can't really remember the Ottawa game that clearly at this point. It was like the first game of the road trip. Mm-hmm. And then the other team is like Montreal. I, I don't know. Like, it's just the Edmonton game and the St. Louis game and the Toronto game. Those are the three games to me. Those are the three yeah. games. Yeah. Everything outside yeah. of that has been, I don't know, inconsistent. Like, they just won periods and ended up winning the game. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of vibe I've been getting. And even the wins on this road trip, you know, they don't inspire confidence at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when you think about how they, how they've come across these wins, some, some unlikely heroes in, uh, in a couple scenarios and some very disappointing situations that you feel like never should have happened for this team. As is, as has been their habit, unfortunately, since the beginning of the season, when they lose, Man, they lose. I mean, they they lose in glorious fashion. Yeah, you know? and just to clarify, the Toronto game I was referring to was the one at home. Yeah, yeah. Not, not the one where they got the doors blown off of them 5 nothing recently. Yeah. But we're going to do some recapping because um, we're going to go, 
I think it's fair, Vardy, to go a little further back than this road trip. We last recorded Thanksgiving Day. Yep. And there's and you mentioned this right before we started recording, is that there's this one glaring game <laughs> that we, we absolutely have to talk about. So I think we talked about mentioning it in passing, but I think, you know what? Let's go right into it because the repercussions of this game is yeah. is the most important part, I think, of this game. And that's the Seattle game, the game that defies gravity, logic, science, <laughs> sports, whatever. <laughs> it is not of this world. It is the quintessential stupid game. It is the stupid game. It is the stupid game. <laughs> of all times. Yes. Yes. The Just... stupidest game ever played of hockey. <laughs> and I think right, right when it went to overtime, I, I think I tweeted out like, a well-earned point by no one. <laughs> Absolutely no one. <laughs> no one earned a goddamn thing <laughs> in that game. Uh, yeah, you you just like to shrug and move on with a game like that, but it was one of the, it was such a stupid game in so many facets that the entire whole of the hockey Twitterverse, you know, East Coast people who should have been tucked away in their beds by the time this stupid game finished, we're still tweeting about, hey guys, you see you see that stupid game that happened? <laughs> I mean, that's how bad, it just made no sense whatsoever. There was no flow one way or another. Seattle, which has been a pretty tight defensive team up until this point, seemed to have no semblance whatsoever of defense or goaltending and the yeah, Kings. And, yeah, I was gonna say Martin Jones was putting together a pretty decent, respectable season. Right. Almost up right. to this point. Oh, like, this right. Is right. Oh, and Martin man. Jones, who has been traditionally quite sound against his his old team. I mean, no matter how bad his season has been going, he seemed to find a way to to find some old time magic every time the Kings came across him. I mean, it was they they just tried to one up one another in terms of horrific defensive coverage, penalty killing, exhibitions of terrible Dan Cloutier style goaltending. Oh I mean, my God, it was just so uh, bad. It was every shot was going in. Like every there was no such thing as a you know, bad shot. You know what's funny? Yeah, Mar- go ahead. Martin Jones allowed eight goals and was never pulled, right. and he had right. the best save percentage among the three goaltenders. I know. <laughs> it's just a dumb game that's crazy yeah when he had the second best goals against because jonathan quick started the game allowed five goals on nine shots excuse me uh allowed five goals on 14 shots forgive me got the hook his goals against ended up being 12.5 his save percentage 64 cal peterson comes in Four goals on 16 shots, including the game winner. So he gets the mm-hmm. loss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he gets the mm-hmm. official mm-hmm. loss on his record. Yep. And then he gets sent to Ontario. That's thanks right. for playing, Cal. Thanks, thanks for, for playing, buddy. I'm, we're going to put that's... you in this mop-up duty in this stupid-ass game where we allow right. five. But where it's completely off the rails by the time you come in. And then and somehow... Because you allowed the game-winning goal. 
we're gonna send you down to the minors. And obviously, that's that's hyperbole. It's not because he allowed the game winner. But, Agreed. Of course. But it, this but goes back clearly, to the Rangers game. Yeah, this goes yeah. back to the Ranger game, which we talked about in length last episode. Right. So it's like a it it compounds to this point. Um, but I still can't help but feel there's a little bit of scapegoating going on around here by sure. sending Cal down sure. there, which is fine if if he's seems to be doing fine in the AHL, so that's good. Seems yeah. to be making saves, winning games, earning stars. And he's got the right attitude. I mean, every every uh, every interview or whatever I've seen about it, it, and to be completely fair, it seemed like it blindsided everyone. I mean, every bit of coverage that I saw from people who follow this team and, quite frankly, are more day-to-day invested and have more time than us to follow every facet of this game everyone was blindsided. I don't think there was a single person who, who was like, saw this coming, <laughs> saw the $5 million a year goaltender going down to Ontario to find his game. The thing is, I think the shocking part was that he was on waivers. Yeah. It wasn't so much that he was going down to Ontario because that wasn't, I mean, it was a foregone conclusion in many ways, but it also, you, I guess you never know. I don't know. Someone, but I think you have 11th. to clear waivers to get sent down, don't you? Like if he correct. What I mean is the shocking part was, like if it was a conditioning stint, like a straightaway uh-huh. conditioning, which I don't think he can do. But I'm just saying, for any yeah. player to just go to a conditioning stint, people will be like, okay, yeah, I get it. It's sure. not so much that he's going to the minors; it's the fact that the Kings were willing to expose him to to all those teams, right? Because one, like, yeah, he wasn't going to clear most likely, but you're still exposing him to every team in the NHL. And this guy's sure. supposed to be the goalie of your future. I think that was the shocking part to everybody. He's sure. like, hey, someone could claim him and we, we would no longer have him, you know? Right. And right. That, that, when you put it like that, it, it is shocking. Like, would you be, I don't know. It would be more shocking if he got claimed off waivers than if the Kings turned around and traded him for, like, picks. I guess so. Yeah. Cause yeah. then you, yeah, no, I get you. I get what you're saying. I, I, I do get what you're saying. And I do also agree that there's a bit of scapegoating going on because you could, you could, yes, you can argue that Jonathan quick has been steadier at times, but I mean, you're, you're not comparing much to much here. You're comparing like, and we dissected down the numbers for how poorly Cal was playing Again, never in my mind dreaming that, that, you know, what we were doing was more than an exercise and and podcast. I don't know, <laughs> you know, uh, doom saying. Yeah, but, just fan due diligence. That's yeah, what we'll call exactly, it. exactly. But again, it's not like Quick's numbers have been sterling. It's not like Quick somehow or the team somehow responded to Cal being sent down, and all of a sudden they're like, "All right, guys, time for some." lockdown defense and gain back right right and that's why i brought up that's why i brought up quick stats in that game right not 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 to shit on quick but to to more be like hey everything's bad in goal right now it's not just this one guy and he's the problem right um so that's that's the only reason i i brought up brought it up but from the ashes rosa phoenix oh uh, mm. bravo sir that's right bravo even sitting on a that few one. days for that one. That's right. <laughs> wrote it in my Apple notes, wrote it on my phone. That's right. Set a reminder. 
And, and he sure did. It's, it's really, it's crazy to me. I, I, I have no explanation for this. And, and we've referred to this a couple times now in the game threads that we've been tweeting. Phoenix Copley coming in, I, I believe hadn't had an NHL win since 2019. Obviously COVID seasons and such in there. Phoenix, Phoenix Copley now, proud owner of three wins. Right. Okay. Mind you, the only three wins that the Kings had on this road trip were because of Phoenix Copley and Net. And in those three wins, he allowed two goals each game. And had it not been for the Buffalo shellacking of the third period that got completely, completely out of hand, he he may have had a much better goals against, but I, I have no explanation for this. I really have no explanation for this because Jonathan Quick now, since that Seattle game, has won a single game yeah. against Arizona. Yep. There was a 5-3 win. Still out three to Arizona. Still out three against Arizona. In the losses that have come since then, allowed four against Carolina. I can't remember if the last one was an empty net. I don't believe it was. Uh, allowed five against Toronto, where truly the team had nothing. I mean, he they played just well that up. game. He tried. He definitely, but it was, it was <laughs> two on well, ones. Yeah. It was right, two on right. ones. It was odd numbers. I'm not. I'm not blaming him for the five. I'm just pointing numbers out. Right. Like correct. Correct. Five goals against six. Uh, I'm sorry, and then six five against Columbus in overtime, which required. Again, some ridiculous heroics to even get it to overtime in a game that most teams, I think, circle and they go, this is where we're going to get two points. But the Kings made it a challenge. I mean, if you look at this road yeah, trip. Yeah, well, they got one, so they didn't get I know, two points. I know, I know. But my point is, like, you look at this road trip, Columbus and Buffalo are not the, are not the games that you look at and you go, we're going to have trouble getting points out of these two games. You know? Like... I had pretty much, I think, as most people had labeled Boston as a loss, which, of course, that's the one that they that's ended up pulling one. off. Right. And I had labeled Toronto as a loss. So even though they got, they lost to Toronto, it was the way they lost to Toronto that's just sad. But then to follow that up with just bad games against Columbus and Buffalo, that's a lack of preparation. That's a lack of just drive. I don't even know. They never play well in Buffalo. Don't I have no explanation why, but they together 40 minutes of solid effort the first 20 were were i again i i tweeted this one out it was it was your classic angry kings coming out and just out shooting the opponent four to one having nothing to show for it and some people kind of got on me like oh how did you whatever there's no way you could have known this i'm like come on how many kings games have you watched in the last decade you're telling me you didn't think this is the direction it was going did I know it was going to go 6-0? No, I don't think anyone did. But I could have told you how after the, how that first period went that the Kings were going to get shut out. Yep. It's a, it's a good guess. Yeah. It's a good guess. But even outside of the shutout, you just know, like, those are your chances to get ahead of the game. That, right. Those are your chances to have the other team chase you for once. Right. To chase you. And, again, the Kings end up chasing the game, and they never even – catch up that buffalo game was disgusting on so many levels um i really thought that was the game if there ever was a time to relieve a coach i thought that was 
that was it because mm. they quit on that game as soon as it became two nothing they did they checked out of the game and that's usually a very very bad indication and an indicator mm-hmm. that it's possible that they're sick of the coach or the quote unquote proverbial tuned the coach out whatever the mm-hmm. hell I don't lost really the room. like that lost the room yeah. and all this shit but it's a matter of the fight back wasn't there and when you see a situation where a team quits on a game when it's two nothing three nothing that's usually about the time where a coach gets the boot mm-hmm. and they didn't obviously i don't expect them to by the way even if boston came out and drilled them again uh last night i still i just don't i don't, I don't expect the coach to go at this point i'm not saying that's what i would do mm-hmm. but today or last night against boston they're down to nothing late a very opportune time to check out of a game a, a perfect time to quit on to quit on your coach again but they didn't they fought right and mm-hmm. they fought to a victory an unlikely victory and that's where i'm kind of like i don't know i don't know what what the deal is because they fought back against seattle Again, that's a sign of a team Mm -hmm. that's still engaged. I think the Toronto game, they were outclassed. The the Buffalo game was just the only game where you could really pinpoint and be like, okay, this team's just broke. They were bending, and now they broke. Mm -hmm. So a part of me was like, maybe they make a change. Again, I I didn't fully believe it would be coaching, but some kind of shakeup. But again, they go into Boston, and now everyone kind of has a lifeline because of this game. Uh, but I think the main thing is this could be a turning point, but they got to put together some some consistent games here because this was another inconsistent game that just happened to lead to a victory. Yeah, and I think an important thing to, to look at, not to jump ahead necessarily, but not that it's a great record, but since the last time we recorded, their record was 5-3-3. Three, and three. It's been enough to keep them within the hunt. And now they come home and they have five straight games against Western Conference opponents. Phoenix, uh, sorry, Arizona being the only one that's not in their division. So they got games against San Jose, Anaheim, Calgary, Arizona, Vegas. Those are the next five. Again, you can... I, I've... I've gone beyond saying like, okay, you should be, or they will win these games anymore. It's so unpredictable, but San Jose, Anaheim, relatively speaking, should be the ones that where points are easier to get than against Calgary and Vegas in my mind. And how they play against those teams is huge. It's, It's huge in the standings. It's huge for the overall makeup of the team, kind of rounding out the calendar year. Those things are going to matter. And I, I just, I get that same impression that you did sometimes when I hear these, these post-game conferences that McClellan does, where he's a little bit lost as well as to why this keeps happening. He keeps even using that terminology of like, this has happened so many times. I'm not really sure why it keeps happening. I'm not really sure. And, and I, can I just honestly, do you feel like this fight back in this Boston game, how much of that was because the coaching staff was able to kind of bring them together? Or, you know what I mean? I, 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 I don't know. And you can't know. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're in the room, like you can't know. 
like you're just speculating but right you know there's been cases in the past where it's like guys want the coach gone and they'll check out of games you know that's not i I do believe that i don't think that's an uncommon thing is like if when you when you in the room know it's not working i think it's hard to fire up for a comeback you know what i mean but at least this shows there's some kind of cohesion in that locker room whether it be between the players only whether it be between the coaching staff and the players i really don't know and it will be a waste of time to even speculate sure i think but i mean here's the thing they've played and and people brought up the schedule a lot and i think there is some validity to it the kings have had a very rough schedule up to this point um after this i think they only have like two more longish road trips another six gamer and a five gamer and it's a lot of home games it's a lot a lot of home games so if this boston game is treated properly and looked at as a turning point and they could build on it i think the schedule is going to get a little easier i think it's not going to be as condensed moving forward and they're going to play a lot of home games so it this i I guess this came at a good time Mm -hmm. but it remains to be seen if they could do what they need to do because the problems i don't think a win like this solves the defensive issues aren't solved by a win like this it's it's much deeper than that so what i'm hoping is they they get to be home a lot they get to practice a lot more mm-hmm. which has been you know something they haven't been able to do when you get into practice you could work on the details you can uh really focus on the things that have been ailing you so here we go i guess like this is this is where it's at, man. Like they gotta take this win, take the positives, and move forward. Otherwise, they're in, they're in a good position now. But the way they've been playing, the inconsistency will catch up with them because teams like Calgary and them, they're eventually gonna figure it out. I just believe they will. Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking here. I think they've played 19 games on the road of their 33 total games. So 19 on the road, 14 at home. And obviously more games than any other team in the NHL. So I, I do think there's some validity to that. Um, you know, the offense is still clicking. The offense clearly still has the capability to put up three plus goals, sometimes four plus goals when they need to. Um, I think the chances are still there. The power play is still effective and seems to be getting more and more effective as they're figuring out what their strategies want to be. I think they have two solid units now that play with different strategies. You know, uh, unit two with uh, Kaliev on there seems to be that that's the, that's the weapon of choice. And clearly his numbers, you know, his power play goal numbers are, are pretty solid. And then unit one is a little more free form. It looks like, I think they're starting to trust giving Fiala the puck a little bit more and letting him dance around a bit or giving Gabe the puck a little bit more as opposed to just, you know, running a umbrella ish perimeter power play. The issues now are the same as they have been. It's the PK and it's, it's goaltending, which again, I, for the life of me, I don't understand how this is happening, but for Phoenix Copley, they're managing to put some sort of a defensive effort together or something where He's able to keep it most of the time at two goals. He's won three games out of the four that he's played. He's now started back-to-backs. He started three of the last four. I, I, I have no idea what to make of that beyond they're just 
They're just going to ride whoever the good goaltender is at the moment, which I don't know how that leaves you to feel if you're Jonathan Quick or Cal Peterson or does it even matter anymore how anyone feels? I think feelings completely go out the window. Hopefully everyone Absolutely. Just, just cares about the W's, you know? Yeah. And I think with Phoenix Copley, I think it's – I don't know again for sure, but I think – Sometimes when you just get a guy who hasn't been in the in the mess, just right. kind of a fresh pair of eyes or just a fresh attitude, you just coming in and just like, hey, man, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. Right. And this I have nothing to do with this mess, so to speak. Yeah. I'm just here to just yeah. stop some pucks, right? Yeah. Like you get a guy like that in there, sometimes he's just, you know, he has a positive influence on the game, on the team, right. on the defense, whatever. It's, just, it's a small thing, but – you know, if he's just focused on making saves and he's not getting too low and too or too high on himself, right? That's that's I guess the sweet spot for a goalie most of the time. And all he's trying to do is stay in the league. So, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. And and you and I speculated, and we're not unique in this. A bunch of people have speculated a little bit that Cal not getting his playing time, and then when he gets in there and feeling as though one goal goes in, two goals go in, and all of a sudden, it, you know, the mental, the mental aspect of all this stuff piling on you and wondering what the future holds, et cetera. It yeah, kinda, man, don't it, forget it the financial, up. the contract 100%, aspect too. 100%. Like, like that's on your mind. Like, Copley's yeah. not thinking about that. Like, you know, no. he's just like all he's I'm playing for his next is, contract. That's you right. Know? I'm like, just that's, trying to. That's it. I'm just trying to earn my next one, which yeah. will not cost any team a lot of money anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, and, and you and you're right. Like I think he's showing up and he's playing for himself. I think it's great that the W's are coming. Um, he's making the saves he needs to be making. Like I, he's making a couple big stops here and there. Like he had a a great breakaway stop on Bergeron today, even though Bergeron was being hounded. Like got a good shot off. He was great in the shootout. I, yeah. I mean, very he's, calm. He's he's doing he's doing what a goalie, an NHL goaltender, should be doing. He's going to have his bad games. I'm sure they're coming, but I feel like too often this season we have seen the other goaltenders, be it Quick or Peterson, overdo it, not play quietly, not play positionally, just letting the pucks hit them. There's, there's, there's just too much movement. The angles are not right. All of that resonates. All of that shows up in the, in the goals against and, and we, we were talking about this earlier. Like, if you look at the five-on-five five expected goals against, the Kings are top 10 in the league. No matter how you slice it, it comes down to if the PK is better and if the goaltending is a smidge better, it makes the record infinitely better. I mean, it, it just it would be reflected in the wins and, and losses because the goals are there. The Kings are scoring the goals. That's not the problem. It's, it's keeping it out of their own net. And a lot of times, these are these are power play goals that they're allowing in. I mean, they're at this point they're, they're going to allow at least one power play goal a game. I I'm, I mean, just I'm sure of it against the half decent offensive <laughs> just team. Just accepting it, yeah, hundred percent, dude. Columbus had the worst power play in the league, and how many did they get? I think they got three. Their first one took all of seventeen seconds. Yeah, and it's it's the same stuff over and over again. I, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but the net front presence, the the wedge setup, it just allows for these gaps between the face-off dots and down low that the Kings just don't have the defenseman who can cover that. I, I pointed out the Boone Jenner goal. 
I was so mad about that goal. I, I was just because you could see it coming a mile away. It was it was from the point down low up to Roslovic, who was in the slot, and Jenner was just standing there boxing out Matt Roy for a solid like twenty seconds, and Matt Roy could do nothing about it. It was such an easy setup. Just frustrating games like that, you know, frustrating PK things. Well, that's the thing. When your other D like Edler becomes aggressive right. on the passer, like that's when Roy has to get inside position right. on Jenner because they were in a box. We talked about like how Yeah, 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 yeah. Go back to the for box. A brief shining the box. moment. <laughs> they were like for fifteen seconds there, they were playing just the old school tight box. And as soon as it got kicked out to the half wall, Edler had to challenge. And when right. Edler challenges, Roy, who's on the weak side, has to get over on the strong side and just take position on on Jenner. It was a little bit before didn't. that, actually, because it went to the point. I, I forget if it was Boudreaux or who had it on the point, but Moore stepped up. Yeah. The pass went down to the corner. Edler stepped there. Roslovic moved up a touch to where Moore had right, vacated. Right. Everything shifted as soon as as soon as the box broke, basically. Well, that's that's you know columbus did that by right. by shifting their guys i get it you know yeah, so that's it. you know that's but my point is you got to be able to read and i think it comes with confidence you have no confidence in the pk right now correct and when you don't have confidence in your pk it affects the way you defend because you don't want to take any stick fouls you don't want to be overly aggressive you don't want to take a penalty you're just terrified of going on the pk because your pk's dog shit. Mm-hmm. And so you end up kind of playing, like tightening up on your stick and playing like yep. this in between D. You're not right. you're not physical in front of the net. You're not physical in the dirty areas. Don't want to take a penalty. It's right. in the back of your net. Like right, a, you're scared to you're scared to be a little aggressive. You're scared to right. just do anything. Right. Yeah, yeah, I totally so, get it. So yeah, it, it's it cascades, so to speak. By the way, in the Columbus game, I was I apologize. It was two power play goals and a shorty. Ah, yes, I got a shorthanded and a power play. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Still, two Just power so, play goals for the worst power play in the league is probably. It's pretty bad. <laughs> not good. Yeah. Not good. It's not all. great. It's not great. Yeah. All right. Um, what do you think about this coach? There's been whispers. Time to fire the coach. Time for a change, so to speak. I mean, I think you and I have talked about this before maybe even on air um but i've never gotten the sense that todd mcclellan is the guy who's going to lead them to the promised land yeah agreed i've always gotten the sense that he's kind of a maybe not a stopgap coach but a guy who advances a couple things lays a little bit of the foundation carrie murray-esque perhaps in the not in terms of what what type of foundation he's laying, but in terms of where he is in that progression of coaches, you know, where you notice the team making some advancements, you notice the team getting better at certain things, but certain things just aren't quite there yet. And then someone else will come in and somehow it'll all meld together with the right combination of players and strategy and it all works out. So whether now is the time for that, I really don't know. And I honestly, I don't know whether... Rob Blake is going to be given enough leash to go through a fourth coach. Because yep. that's, that's what it would be. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, that's what it would call for, you know. Um, 
And I think that has a lot to do with it as well. I think if if Rob Blake if Rob Blake turns around and fires Todd McClellan and basically says I was wrong a third time <laughs> in this in the coach that I was bringing in, I think. Well, Rob does Blake, Willie really count though? I mean, he, he's an interim. He was, but it was it was a choice that was made. I mean, it was, it, but is an outside like... the organization interim. It wasn't like okay, we're gonna we're gonna get rid of John Stevens and John Stevens' assistant's gonna step up and be the guy. Like right, understood. It was understood. it was you looked at the situation and said, no, 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 I need someone from outside the organization to come in. Yeah, and be I the mean, guy. they you're right. They brought in another contract. Right? right, it wasn't like an. You're, I think that's what your point is: is they yeah. still paid that man, yeah, that money <laughs> to be the coach of the team. That's right. Yeah, so, I guess that's not ideal. So I, I guess those things don't inspire confidence in the people who own the team and are Rob Blake's boss. Whether that's Luke, I guess, or I don't know who would be it, but I, um, I think to admit failure that many times you begin to question whether you yourself are the failure. Right. And to be completely fair, I like a lot of the moves that they have made in terms of building this team. I know people dissect things down and they go, oh man, fire Blake, fire McClellan, fire Luke, you know, fire everyone because they've made <laughs> these terrible moves. But it's like, hey man, they just, they picked up a guy who was an undrafted winger from Toronto. And that dude has now just signed a five-year, $20 million deal with this team and has become a fan favorite. Like that's, that's, you can look at it however you want, but that's not an accidental move. Like they picked this guy, they scouted this guy and they said, this is the guy we want in this trade. You know, the Fiala trade, tell me that that hasn't worked out for the team. I mean, he's leading the team in scoring. He's consistently on offensive threat. Started a lot of the, a lot of the offense starts with him and ends with him. I mean, these are, by and large, I think they're good moves, but yeah, filled the no. I think filled the no. The way they targeted Arvidsson. him in free agency, the the kind of the he built the, the second pitch line they out of made. nothing. Yeah, yeah. The second line, as you know and love it, the nice line, as we know and love it, was built by Rob Blake. There's no two ways around that. So yeah, I can't sit there and say you need to fire Blake because he's made bad move after bad move after bad move. I don't think that's true at all. I think the problem has just been finding these last little things to kind of put it all together. And whether that's the coach or another trade, that remains to be seen. Yeah, I, I agree. I think by and large, most fans, most logical fans would look at the roster and say this team is way better than how they're playing. And even – to a degree how the, what their record is showing. So I think that's probably the sign of a roster that's built well, at the very least. I think if you, you want to throw stones, you could throw stones at the defense a little bit. I think many people expected another addition to the decor uh, to already be on the team, another addition to be made. That hasn't happened yet. I think it's not for a lack of trying. I think Whatever the Chikrin thing, let's say, I'm sure if he's available, the Kings called, kicked tires, tried to figure out what they could do. And I think they're still probably aggressively looking for a left-handed defenseman. I think he's more than likely looking to change or shore up the D in some 
fashion. He and the most likely scenario is that he hasn't found a trade that he likes that he feels will right. benefit the team. Yeah, back to the coaching thing. I the contract thing is I think is is very important and people seem to forget that that there isn't an appetite to pay what is it, a third coach. Mm-hmm. I think they'd be paying three coaches if they fire him. I don't know. Uh, if Steve I don't know. I don't think Willie. I don't know how much Willie got. Oh, that's right. He only got. He probably yeah, only got a, a deal for that season anyway, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever the case, I mean, paying another person that's not going to be contributing to your organization is probably not something the team wants to do right now, uh, especially given he's. I don't know what his contract was, but. Coaches make a lot more than they used to. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. And also, I think the other part of it is like, who's available? If you get rid of McClellan, are you are you going to bring Sturm back up and ask him to run? I mean, right. You have to Harry have Trotz someone ain't in coming. place. Yeah, exactly. He's not coming. So despite you, despite you trying to coax him into coming at the yeah, the I Vegas spoke to sides. Right. He asked him. <laughs> you straight I, up insider I did, info. So <laughs> I didn't. So like. I don't think this short, came up, huh? Yeah, short sidebar. I was in Las Vegas over the summer uh, with my wife, and Barry Trotz was there, and we were in the pool one of the one of the days, and there he was with a couple of dudes. It was a boys' trip, I guess, for him. Um, and when I found an opportune time, I just went and I, because I'm a coach too, and I just want to say hi and just tell Mind him. You, like, you saw him multiple times. I remember you were messaging us on yeah, WhatsApp, yeah. like two, three days in a row, you're like, Barry's here again. <laughs> yeah, he's just walking around, not really gambling. Not a gambling guy, Barry. He just hit, he's a big pool mostly, guy. Big pool yeah, guy. Hit, hitting the pools and the buffets. <laughs> was, but anyway, I, you know, I, whatever, small talk, chit-chat, introduction. Um, and, and towards the end of it, I kind of mentioned, good luck, you know, whatever you decide, you know, to do this year, good luck. And he said, I'm going to be doing a whole lot of this. So there's your answer. He was lounging, by the way, at that yeah. moment by the pool. So when I was like, oh, cool, he's probably going to take a year off. And certainly that doesn't make anything official. But what's funny is like a few days ago, he said, I'm most likely not going to coach this season, uh, like officially to media. So there you go. I had the it's, scoop on that. You had the scoop. You kept it under your yeah. head the whole time. I, I didn't, you know, I should have tweeted it, told people – to read more tweet less, but I didn't. I kept it to myself. I was a gentleman and I probably ruined our brand. We could have been insiders. We could have gone press passes. This could have been the new Taco Bell. I'm sorry I failed you, but but no, yeah. So he's not coming. Barry's not coming. And that's probably the guy you want, right? Right. As do like 15 other teams at this very moment. So I don't know what the options are, man. You'd have to probably go like into your Rolodex and like be like, who's ready for the next step? And I don't know if that's the answer either. You know, I so. mean, you just got to look down the road in my mind. You just got to look down the road at what's happening in Anaheim and the tire fire that is the Anaheim Ducks who it looked like we're making some advances last year under Dallas Eakins. Yeah. And, and the goals were playing well enough where, you know, Eakins kind of earned his way back up to the big club and they are just, uh, a catastrophe of a team right now. I think they have a single regulation win. Isn't that right? Up until this point. Oh, it's, it's slow for sure. Yeah. It's, I'm pretty sure it's just one regulation. Win <laughs> That's probably right. 30 games. And well, they won today in regulation. Hey, I believe. So, yeah. 
So Montreal. let the floodgates let the floodgates open then. But my yeah. point is, if that team is not firing their head coach to bring in anyone, anyone, you have but to think that maybe there's dude. just not a. I, I understand, but my point is that like, I don't think they expected it to be like this. I get it, but I don't think they expect it to be a playoff team. And at that point, sure. like, what's the what's the difference? Well, I guess okay. So you. <laughs> We we brought this up a little bit in our in our group chat. It's a different standard for a lot of teams, right? So Boston, being the team that that they played against, had fifty one wins last season, and yep. they should can it was their coach, right? And it was the fourth or fifth season under Cassidy, and because the vibes weren't right, even though the wins were there, they canned him. Vegas had one bad season. Under DeBoer, Candom. The standards are different for certain teams where a certain amount of success is not good enough. And I don't know if the Kings have ever been that kind of team where good is just not good enough anymore. I feel I like mean, you could argue they- that's what I mean. You could argue Daryl got fired and Dean got fired. Well, that was, I think that, that kind of, that was after. I know there's other, yeah, I know there's other elements to that. And I know that's a simplistic way to look at it, but they made the playoffs the season before they got fired. Right. If I remember correctly, before the hostile takeover. Right. (laughs) But (laughs) But I guess here's my point. Here's my point. Say they made the playoffs that season. Yes. And lost. Okay. And lost. First round exit. Do you still think that they get fired? Yeah, that's a good point. I do. But again, it's because there's other things going on. There. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, I guess that's just the level. That's a level of expectation that maybe comes with playing in a market like Boston or Toronto, something like that, where you make the playoffs, you got a crazy roster, you have great regular season records, but unless you're you're challenging for the cup, getting multiple rounds in every year, then, you know, the standards are higher. The the level of scrutiny is higher. I think there's a certain level of truth to that, that when the Kings lose, I don't think they go home and carry a whole lot of weight. I don't think the, the coach carries a lot of weight externally, maybe a little bit internally, but when the, when the scrutiny is less, I think the losses don't hurt as much. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. That's normal. Markets matter, right? Like what market are you in? How much pressure is on you as a coach, as a GM to to succeed now today? I don't think the Kings have that kind of like intense pressure on them. No, I really don't think I agree. I mean, especially from ownership, I don't think. Yeah, exactly. In all of like the greater Los Angeles area, how many people do you think actually care about the Kings winning and losing? Like, a million, maybe? <laughs> like, is it even that? Yeah, maybe, man. That's a big number. That is a big number, right? Like, do, do 500,000 people care <laughs> if the Kings win or lose? I mean, you could probably find 500,000 people within a five-mile radius of, of TD Garden Arena that care about whether or not the Bruins win or lose. So, I'm just... That's, that's kind of the impression that I get is that 
this idea that they would fire McClellan mid-trip, mid-season, all of this, like that's a that's a that's a different team, man. I I really don't think that that's the Kings for multiple reasons. Sorry, I was trying to see the population of Los Angeles. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm not. I wanted to see how many. I was curious while you were speaking how many seasons, consecutive seasons, the Bruins have made the playoffs. Hmm. And I know it's a it's a big number, right? It has to be it's like eight, basically since Chara got there. It's over ten, isn't it? They won the cup in twenty eleven. Oh yeah, that's true. Anyway, my point is, <laughs> we don't have to waste time on that. Mm-hmm. My point is, like, when you make the playoffs that many seasons in a row, it is now all about okay, what did you do in the playoffs? Whether you keep your job or not, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So. You can't compare it like absolutely two situations that couldn't be any more different. Yeah, so, we'll yeah. see, man. Uh, I think the main thing they got to do at this point is I think I do think the roster will change to a mm-hmm. certain degree. It's not going to be major. I think you got to get Byfield in here at this point, right? Like, yeah, what is happening with that? I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm very confused. Isn't he? Uh, and I'm asking this just so you can give me the exact numbers because i know you're going to have them in a minute here but yep he's more he's more or less lighting up the age he's a point of game player since he's been down easily there. easily yeah um and not just a point of game like dominating some games mm-hmm. like scoring between his legs stuff like easy <laughs> league stuff you know what i mean like so yeah. I, i'm very curious how long he's actually going to stay down there I, I don't I don't know the intention anymore because I could understand when they sent it, him hasn't down. Hasn't it been and, a month? Yeah, it's been a solid month. I'm going to so tell like, you exactly. How many NHL players have had conditioning stints? He's played 13 games. Yeah. Dude, and they don't play every other day. Yeah. Yeah, he's played 13 games. He's got nine goals and five assists, including yeah. a game that he had a hat trick. Um, and another couple where he had game winners, I believe. It's it's confusing stuff because especially how they've shuffled the lines now. They've got. Uh, I uh, admittedly I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention today, and and Arvidsson's out for a couple of days because his wife uh, is having yes. a kid. But they, they um, took all Iafalo went up. Okay. So that line. Um, so Kempi remained the three C. Is that basically how they're aligned? Again I think that's today? how they started, but then they got. I think they got Fiala and Kempi back together towards the end of the game. Okay. Okay. So Gabe must have slid in, played three C or something like that. Maybe. The point is I, they don't. They don't have. They don't have a player now. Who they intend on keeping at center? Adrian Kempi was drafted at center. Didn't work out. Moved to the wing. Gabe Velarde was drafted as a center, didn't work out, moved to the wing. You have a guy in Byfield who you drafted with all intents and purposes of him being a 1C at some point in his career. I'm not saying that's now. Clearly, he has two other centers playing ahead of him, but he started as your 3C. You sent him down because his game was slipping a bit, admittedly, and he's now been there for 13 games playing well at what point do you say 
okay, now is the time to bring him back and have him play this position that all of a sudden you have a need for as a, as a 3C. I mean... I think you got to do it now. And I think... Here's the thing, man. You send a guy down. Mm-hmm. He understands, I'm sure. No mm-hmm. problem. He's scoring. You got to pull the trigger on him now because he's, he's doing the thing you asked him to do at a high right. level. And if you let it linger, then he's going to start having questions. Right. Like you, what am I, you know, what am I learning from doing this anymore? Like, like what, what can I do? Like what, what's the point of this at this point? Like, yeah. is this, is this about my game or is it about something else? Because my game is fine. My numbers bear out. I'm having positive impact on every game I'm playing essentially. Um, so then, then you got a guy who's going to question the organization. You don't want that, even though he's a kid, sure, but they don't forget <laughs> they're people, <laughs> like they're they're right. human beings. So I think the time is, dude, now, do it now. What exactly is stopping you? I, I don't know. I mean, there's got to be there's got to be a reason I'm missing here because if they if they don't bring him up here on this homestand, I just don't I don't know. Yeah, I do not know. I mean, the, the fourth line has been since Lemieux went down has been Brunstrom, Anderson, Dolan, and Lazat, pretty consistently, and it's looked fine. It's been productive. You're you had well, Artie cool. up on the well. That's that's so Kupari has kind of been in right. and out. Yes, your third line has been up until Arvidsson left was Iafalo, Velarde, and Kempi. Mm-hmm. And Kaliev was playing on the top line. Correct. So I guess the question then becomes if you bring Velarde, I mean, if you bring Byfield back and you put him at 3C, then do you send Anderson Dolan back down? Do you, because that's the shuffle that you create, right? Then Kempi's got to go up, Kaliev's got to go somewhere. <laughs> you have too many forwards yet again. <laughs> Okay, but like, but is that the re- I agree, but is that a reason to keep him in Ontario? Yeah, Jerry Anderson Dolan, the shuffling of him should not be the reason you're not playing Quinton Byfield when he's lighting up the HL. It's, it's, yeah, it's, I don't think it's so much him, I think it's more the, the secondary right. effect of what I understand. To Hardy. Yeah, but like, <laughs> I don't know, figure it out. You know, I agree. I'm not. I'm, I don't disagree with that one bit. First, first can, thing I would he, do is is put Velarde with Byfield and I follow. I'd be like, all right, this was working. Yeah. Yep. It has never proven not to work. Right. So, let's go there. And I understand yeah. that kind of. Now you got to figure out. Okay, again, the question of where does Kaliev play? Because right. he's too. He's too good to play four. I don't know. And this is when you make a trade. <laughs> this is when you trade from a position of strength to supplement a position of weakness, and you and you make something happen. And but but who? I don't know. I don't know. That's He's, that's a, that's tough, man. Who? You're not trading anyone from the second line. The only yeah. again, the only person that comes up is Ayafalo, but like. Seeing what you've seen this season, like now, now you don't want to do that. I know you don't. You really don't. I. It's not an easy call. I really don't know who you move. I really don't know who you move. 
because the offense has not been the problem. The offense has not been an issue at all. Um, you know, interestingly, for as much as I like the idea of Kaliev being on the top line, he's only got one assist in his last six games. He's only got two points, a goal, and an assist in his last eight games. <laughs> So they've given him more ice time. They've bumped him up from 12 to 13 minutes to closer to 15 to 17 minutes. And it hasn't really resulted in anything. So maybe, I don't know. Fine, then maybe throw him back to four then. I That's don't know. what I'm saying. And then throw and him then back to four and make him a power play trigger. He'll be right. fine. Right. Give him some minutes. If, if you need a goal late in the game, load up a little bit with him somewhere. But I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think Fiala, I always liked Fiala and Kempe. Have no issue keeping them together. Mm-hmm. Like to see that third line reunited with Ayafalo, Byfield, and Velarde. Apparently, we can never touch the second line. <laughs> I got to say, man, I was pretty frustrated. Unless someone's that Vlar- <laughs> I was pretty frustrated that they wouldn't try Velarde there after he had a nice little run with those two the last time Arvidsson was mm-hmm. It's, it's Todd's failing, right? Is the, is the inability to change certain things and it's just this like stick to it kind of thing. Like that's the only reason that I feel like Kupari remains on an NHL roster. It's not because of effectiveness necessarily. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. Weird stuff. Yeah, basically, basically. That's it's just keep running into that brick wall until it falls down kind of thing. Yeah, kind of like the Dursey Roy pairing. Right. How much right. it's like, not working. How much it's, it's clearly not need? working. It's made it's made Matt Roy a bad defenseman. Like <laughs> I don't know how else to describe this. Sean Dursey should not be playing twenty minutes a game. He shouldn't on be the on left the PK. Side. Yeah, it's just it's not it's not the solution. Just stop putting the guy out there on the <laughs> PK. Just stop doing it. Like don't play him twenty minutes. Give him a solid 18 minutes a night. <laughs> I feel like which should be on the power play. I feel like his assistants yell at him every every game to, to McClellan, I mean. And he's just like, I'm going to try one more time next game, boys. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling about next game. <laughs> uh, I, I don't get it. And and maybe maybe that's a situation where you just have to take his toys away from him. Like, get rid of those players. Stop the option. Kind Stop of the, giving um, him the the money ball thing, right? Right. Playing playing Pena at first. <laughs> Starting yeah. Pena at first. Yeah. Exactly. To the point where he traded Pena. Yeah. That's great. Exactly. Great you got no choice. I mean, that's what it's going to come down to, right? At some point, at some point, one of these forwards is going to move. I don't know who it's going to be. I'm sure it's not going to sit well. Because you got a gift to get, and it's what's Arvidsson's thing? What's what's his contract? I think he's got one more year left. Okay, but does Arvidsson have any trade value? Does it, does he does what team calls and goes? Give me Victor. What say you're going after a left-handed defenseman from a team who's not doing well? What team goes? Give me Victor Arvidsson. Well, it doesn't have to be in the same trade. I'm just saying. I'm just let's, saying. Let's keep it simple here. Let's keep it simple. You're talking, you have a defenseman. I want said defenseman. Mm-hmm. What team wants Victor Arvidsson? 
that's not that's that's it's got to be a team that's in a similar position as the Kings, right? And we and we just talked about how they refuse to break up that second line. You really think they're going to get rid of him? I don't because yeah. I assure you, no one is talking about trading him. I'm the one who brought it up. Correct. Um, yeah, because, he's got one more year left at four point two five. Yeah, and he's great. I I I he's really great. like him. He's just an like ideal I like second Iofolo. line. I like all these guys. I like absolutely. And by the way, I, I like, I mentioned this. I feel like I'm saying that a lot this episode, but I mentioned this. I want to say months ago that I got the sense that Blake was trying to construct a very uh, Tampa Bay like roster with a bunch of guys that had four to $5 million contracts. And if you look at the Kings roster right now, it is it is literally like it's six forwards making four to five million dollars and a couple guys who are making a little bit more than that. You got the no Kempi, I follow now more, uh, and Arvidsson all are making between four to five and a half million dollars. It's yeah. it's a perfect construction of like a top six, and then you throw in Fiala making quite frankly, Fiala is probably gonna gonna provide more value than the 7.875 million he's making. He already is you know, providing more value than that. You know what's funny? All those forwards you mentioned, they go UFA in a staggering scale. Yeah. It's, it's Arvidsson exactly, first. Yep. yep. Arvidsson first. I follow second. Kempe third. Then no fourth. Yep. It's not, and, that's not and an it's accident. back to back. Yeah. 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 That's definitely not an accident. That's exactly how Tampa built their roster too, if you look at it. So, again, I, I look at this roster and I go, okay, some team is going to want to forward from us if, if they're going to give us a defenseman. Maybe they'll take another defenseman directly and in that situation. Walker and Jersey end up being the most obvious candidates, I think. Yeah. Walker, I um, think, is redundant. But, but here's the problem. Who wants Sean Walker? Yeah, yeah, that, that is a problem. Like if you if you have if you have two teams that are looking for a defenseman, I think almost every team takes Sean Jersey over Sean Walker, despite Jersey's defensive liabilities, because you can shield him. A proper team There's... that doesn't need to play Jersey for twenty some odd minutes can shield him and get good value out of the contract that he's on. Plus, he still has upside. He's twenty four for a defenseman totally. that's young. I he's think got Sean another Walker year one point seven. Yeah, right. He's got another year one point seven, and then he's an RFA after that. Sean Walker's got another year two point six five, and then he goes UFA. So I'm not sure what team accepts Sean Walker as like a, as a true piece to anything. You know, it's it's more of a throw in to clear cap space for yes. the Kings. Honestly, correct, correct. So I feel like the Kings are actually going to end up getting a full, uh, a defenseman. This fabled left left shot second pairing defenseman it's gonna have to be a forward that moves Vladislav Gavrikov mm. you heard that name been thrown around I have I have yeah I think I saw it on uh the Frank Cervelli post or something they had done like top 10 yep possible defensemen that could move this season interestingly enough I think Matt Roy was on that list too <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, that's that's the, it. Comes back to this idea of like you got to give a guy like I follow. You got to give someone who's that another team wants. 
you know, and, and that actually provides some roster clearance for you. You can't just be like, all right, we're going to, we're going to trade Alex Turcotte. Okay, great. You, you traded Alex Turcotte. You still got 15 forwards. What are you going to do? <laughs> anyway. How is Alex Turcotte but, doing? Staying healthy. Uh, hopefully healthy. The numbers aren't quite there yet, but at this point, I think you just want to play consistently, man. Whatever's going to happen, let it happen. But yeah. yeah, he's played 11 games, so he missed the first two or no, not the first two. He's only played 11 because he missed a chunk of time. Yeah. He's yeah. one in four. So just get healthy, kid. Yeah. That's, all that, that's, the, that's the goal right now. Just yep. play games. <laughs> All right. All right. Anything else interesting? Ovi? Ovi. God damn. I am so glad. I, have, I haven't been to many games in the last few years. Mm-hmm. I've been to maybe two in the last four years. That's pathetic by my standards. But, you know, COVID, this and that. I, the one game I went to recently was to see Washington. And I'm so glad I did because all I did is watch Ovi the whole time. Go see these guys while you still can, folks. You are watching a guy. There's only two other guys that have scored 800 goals. And in a few days, there's only going to be one other guy who scored 802. That's insane. He's also done it in less games than those other guys. Like, he's on pace to score more more goals than Wayne, potentially in less games than Wayne. Right. <laughs> Definitely, in like, yeah. like by 300-some-odd games less than Gordie Howe. And keep in mind, if there wasn't a full-season lockout, half-season lockout, and COVID, he would have had something around 865 at this point, Mm -hmm. give or take. And we would all just be counting down blissfully to the moment because it would have been a lock. All but a lock. Yep. Yeah, and and Wayne would have been on his uh, countrywide tour to, to see him break his record at this point. Pretty close to yes. it anyway. The game needs it. Let's see it. Three more seasons of 30, no problem. And, and I think it's great that it's they're, they're kind of coming in a, in more reasonable fashion. They're not, they're not all clap bombs from the left no. face-off dot, even though... Going to the net, picking up some trash. Yeah, that's all right. That's all he right. might score his next 90 like that. Wayne Wayne had his fair share of empty net goals. There is no shame in an empty net goal. Not one bit. Not at all. So, yeah. Wayne got his cookies anyway. Yeah. Looking forward to that. I think everyone's yeah. excited for that. I don't I yeah. I, I, I hate to meet the one player who's like no. <laughs> oh I, Travis Connect game was that player. Did you really? see that? So no. <laughs> so um he got what did he get against philly it wasn't the hat trick was it no hat trick no, was against the uh, hat trick was against Ch- chicago. chicago for 800 i think seven Which, by the way kane and taves and all of them went yeah. right up to him and congratulated him <laughs> all of chicago cheered him on i could be wrong on this but i think 797 he got against philly it was an empty uh-huh. netter okay um and he it was a breakaway empty netter and he went he kind of looked over to see where the defense was and he went backhand. So uh-huh. he kind of like backhand scored it, which is, it is weird. It's a weird thing to do, right? If you're OV. Okay. 
And Travis Konechny goes up to him and, like, puts a stick into his stomach. Like, why are you showing this up, bro? And I was just like, are you shitting me right now? This guy's three goals away from 800, and you, you, are going up to him and putting a stick into his stomach to, like, I don't know, stand up for the Philadelphia Flyers right now on this guy? This guy, bro. That's great. (laughs) That's great. And then, and then, like Ovi just straight up fucking <laughs> <can> punched him. <laughs> like, what's he supposed to do? Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, you, Travis Konechny, you dare go after that? Like, seriously? Anyone who I've ever seen go after Ovechkin does not, does <laughs> no. not, you know, live to tell the tale yeah. very well. Svechnikov, remember that? That was a yeah. bad idea. That was a terrible idea. He's and he's then, not to be messed with. That man. No, no, it's just. I don't like Travis Konechny. I never have. He has like a very punchable face, and I think he thinks he's hot shit. It's just <laughs> let that one go. Yes, I understand. He went backhand. Dude, pull up the clip. I'm telling you. It's the dumbest shit you'll ever I'll see. I'll find it. I'll find it. Yeah, he went uh, backhand, and I, and I get it. Like, yeah, but he's not trying to show up the Philadelphia Flyers, bro. This guy's on pace for like 895 whatever goals. Like, he's not, he's not there yeah. to be like. He doesn't care who he's playing against. Yeah. <laughs> In a game in goddamn December against the uh, shithole Flyers, he's not like, you know, uh, let me get under. You're, I'm gonna sending a message to the Philadelphia Flyers. Like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Go on the bench and sit the fuck down, uh, idiot. Let anyway, it out, buddy. Just let let it all out. Just I don't like shit like that. Like, yeah, I get it. Just just you go sit down. Elders. Go yeah. sit down. You know, if if just like Gabe Pilardi did that, fine, fine. You're the veteran. Go up to the kid and be like, hey, right. man, that's not how we do things. Right. You know? But you're talking to the fucking greatest goal scorer of all time and you're chirping him and like putting a stick into him. Anyway, this is not the Travis Connectney episode. No. I definitely not. Definitely not. The whose episode should it be though? It's episode ninety-three. Hmm. Can't think of any Kings ninety threes. It's because there aren't any. So you yeah. gotta tell me. Well it's Doug Gilmore. 90- it's Doug. That's a friggin' layup. I mean that's not yeah. even Yeah. Much respect for the man. Yeah. Who, who many a Kings fans grew up despising because of, <laughs> because of the, the rivalry that existed, the playoff-based rivalry that existed mostly out of the 92-93 season. Um, well, he's so much. I mean, he's let's not forget tremendous the, player. The Flames also pounded the Kings Correct. in 1989 Correct. when he was on Calgary, and he had a lot to do with that. Forgive so. me, I was six years old at the time. <laughs> There, it's a dual pronged approach right? <laughs> um, from both sides of Canada. All good. Kings got the revenge in '90. No problem on the Phantom. Uh, actually, Gilmore scored on Rudy, and there was no good angle. Anyway, I'm not going to get into this right now. But the, the Flames probably won that game where Crucial Nesky threw it over Vernon. Uh, refs missed it. Point being, mad respect. Point being, dude, he was so he was the best player in the world in like 1993 and I say that fully knowing Mm. that Mario Lemieux went friggin super Saiyan and that Gretzky scored an ungodly number of points after he came back from his back injury right I really think that year Gilmore was the best player in in the NHL he was so good man he he ultra talented very smart gritty played bigger than his size as as a small player I, I respect the hell out of that and an outstanding two-way forward. 
right. simply outstanding. He was just not, a, he wasn't simply a scorer. He was a full package player. So right. I'll give it to Dougie. Right. Deserves and I, if I'm, if I'm correct, he only wore 93 in Toronto. Yes. He was 39. He was, correct. Yes. Yeah. He was 39 so in Toronto. In Toronto, he had 393 games and 452 points in those 393 games. Yeah. He was good, man. Yep. Yeah, I, so I believe he won. He won a Selkie. I believe. Uh, I'll have to check, but I, do. I, I believe he did as well. Um, other notable players, clearly no one in the same stratosphere, but a couple active players actually. Uh, mm. A few active players. Uh, Nuge. Jake Voracek, Nuge, uh, Mika Zibanejad. Uh, I think Zibanejad uh, has had quite a few good seasons, but still, you know, we're talking good about player. a guy who's a legit Hall of Flame, Hall of Famer. And, yeah. Uh, uh, Selkie you know, ninety two ninety three. That's the year. That's the year to do it if you're going to do it. <laughs> so there you go. Are we making this Dougie Gilmore episode? Yeah, uh, hell respect. yeah, let's do it. I respect. All right. There you I go. The this, this is this is a respectful episode to Doug Gilmore. That's right. I hope I hope he's listening somewhere. I'm sure he is. Who wouldn't? <laughs> I could think of a couple of guys. A couple of guys on our block list. Yeah. I'm blocking bitches. I just want everyone <laughs> to know that. I am my trigger. We've never been we've never been one to do that, but it's I think this is the no. no 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 as no, much no. as we as much as we appreciate all the followers we're getting, it's it's kind of inevitable that you get some stragglers in here that exist for no reason whatsoever, but to just just to, to shit needle on needle you. you. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm not, just, I'm yeah, not doing it. It's it's not like I it. said, man. If I have to watch this team get beat up five zero in Toronto, six zero in Buffalo, the last thing I need is some a hole with ten followers. You know, right heaping on top of that it ain't gonna happen yeah. i don't have the zero tweets for it. zero yeah. tweets all replies hmm. right right hmm. exactly exactly yeah. eat shit yeah <laughs> see you later all right so we already went through the the next few games coming uh kings will be home for a few some pacific division games important matchups uh we'll probably be post-holidays yeah. By the time we get back with you guys. So. Yeah, because I, I got Christmas a little traveling to do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but they'll have some games against uh, other Western Conference teams. Colorado's in there. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how they wrap up through the end of this year. I'm really hoping that, uh, you know, last year they turned it around January-ish. That's when they kind of put together the, the second line as we know and love it. And some stuff started clicking and they really went on a tear mid-January on. So we'll see. We'll see some trades and stuff start happening. I find typically after the new year. So let's see how it goes. So until then, like, subscribe, keep the uh, Twitter comments coming. We appreciate all the new followers we're getting. <laughs> we're in a race for followers versus Ovechkin goals. That's the that's the <laughs> that's, that's right. The key to the goals end of the season. Bannerman followers. That's right. That's right. Neck and neck, baby. Neck and neck. So uh, until next time, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Go Kings, go! And happy holidays. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an LA Kings podcast.